0: Okay, everybody, we're going to bring some bases out here in a second. And uh, as we do, don't uh, don't get too distracted. Actually, what I'd like you to do in your bulletins, you have this. Let's go ahead and pull that out now. You see, it's uh, sorry. For you baseball fans, you should be particularly excited today. Uh, You see that we have strategically put each different team there uh, in the field of play in the field of play and on the back you have a description what teams do i'm going to tell you where we're going i'm going to tell you uh, why we're going there and then how we're going to get there so here's the thing we're going to talk today about serving one of the things that we see that jesus christ is doing in the scripture is we are told that he is building his church and when we build his church when we help to build his church that means we're doing what if he's building his church and we get involved building his church that puts us where that puts us right beside Jesus, which is very critical to today. What we have learned from Joseph is, is God did this amazing thing. Joseph could not see in the beginning. He didn't know where it was going or how it was going or what was going. He had this dream. The dream was totally true, but he thought, oh my goodness, the dream must be completely false. The dream has to be completely false because nothing is turning out the way I expected. But the deal was, is the dream was completely true. Joseph had misinterpreted the dream. And then all of a sudden all these amazing things begin to happen in Joseph's life. And here's the question is, is how did that happen? That's what I really want to know. How did he go from A to Z? How did he get there? And what we're going to find out today is that this right here is critically important in your life for God to release what God wants to release in your life. Actually serving and having a servant's heart is one of the most critical factors there's very few of them as we've talked about dependence upon God here back at home plate God beginning to shape our character we've talked about community we want to talk about more about community today and we're talking about why this is so important so there I set it up that's where we're going and I'll tell you one last thing when we're done today we expect every single person to sign up for a volunteer team I know that sounds offensive doesn't it that sounds really offensive but I'm gonna give me a moment. Let me explain. Let me explain why. I mean, do we not care about your time? You're a busy person. You have busy things. I mean, when you have more time, you should sign up and serve. But I'm going to tell you why I think it's critically important, critically important that every single person signs up for a volunteer team throughout the body of this message. Okay, there you go. That's where we're going. Now, let's look at, uh, let's look at a video here in a second. All right, let me set the video up for you. Fans have said that the World Series in 1988, the particular play we're getting ready to show you, is the number one moment in all of the World Series. The number one moment. So what had happened is you've got the Los Angeles Dodgers playing the Oakland Athletics. Does anybody remember this? Okay, good. We have one major baseball fan over here. So they're playing Kirk Gibson, who is one of their star players on the Dodgers, has been severely injured in the series previous to this game. So he's not playing because of his injury to his leg. He can barely stand up, much less swing a bat. So he's not even in the dugout. He doesn't have a uniform on. He's back kind of in a training room, just watching and listening on TV. And in the eighth inning, the announcer says... Kirk Gibson obviously is not playing tonight. He's not in uniform. He's not in the dugout. And something got a hold of Gibson there. He was in so much pain. He told the manager Lasorda, I can't play. But something got a hold of him. And he yells over to the trainer. He says, get my uniform. Gets his uniform on. They set up a tee for him down there. And he's swinging. And he can barely stand up. Like, he's hurt so bad, everybody, that when he swings, he can barely stand up. But he told them, go out and tell the manager, Tommy Lasorda, I'm ready to hit. It's the bottom of the ninth. They're down by one run. They got one runner on base. Kirk Gibson comes out. The count is three and two. All right? Let's see what happens. (laughs) You know, I read all about this this week. You know, that big, he said he's never done that before in his life. He had no idea why he did it, but the adrenaline was just pumping so much he could not help himself. He had totally out of control of his body. Right. Here's the thing. This is why I played this. Some of us, life has injured us so much. Like Gibson, the legs injured injured us so much. Like, I can't go out and I, I I can't go out there and swing the bat. I can't do this. You have a dream. This whole story of Joseph is permeated with dream. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for Joseph. Life has injured you so bad. Life has injured jo- Joseph so bad. Here's my question. Gibson is injured so bad. You know why? Lasorda. You know why I put him out there. You know why? Because Kirk Gibson believed that it was his destiny to get a hit. He believed that he was supposed to get a hit and that belief was so strong that Luis sort of says, put him out there. He's our best shot. My question to you is, yes. Things haven't turned out exactly as you planned. Maybe you've got a dream that God's put in your heart and everything has gone the opposite way of what you thought was supposed to happen in your life. Can you this morning believe enough that God can still accomplish what God wants to accomplish in your life? Maybe the dream is completely true. Maybe you've just misinterpreted like Joseph did. I know I've misinterpreted so many things about things God's put in my heart. I've misinterpreted. And I'm like, what's going on? Can you believe enough this morning that God has a calling on your life to do something specifically for him? Let's pray about that. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And I thank you for every single person in this room. God, every single person is very special to you. You've made it so clear. Every single person has been crafted by you, designed by you. It's, it's, it's a part of your handiwork. You took special attention to every detail and every single person's life. And all of these dreams that we have in this story, you're reminding us that you have a dream, you have a plan for every person here. Lord, I ask that you would help us even through all the injuries that life brings our way, that God, that we might believe and that we might take action about what we need to do this morning to get to the place where you want us to be. In Christ's name, amen. I'm gonna say this over and over and over again this morning. Joseph had to get out of Joseph's way in order for God's dream to come to pass. See, Joseph is thinking, well, it's my brothers. If I can just get my brothers out of the way in the beginning, Genesis 37. And then all of a sudden he's sold into slavery. If I can just get this slavery thing out of the way. And then he's wrongly accused. And he goes, if I can just get this prison thing solved, if God would just release me. Sure, he's thinking that. Of course he's thinking. You would think the same thing. I would think the same thing. But that wasn't the problem. The problem wasn't other people. And the problem wasn't circumstances is what you understand as you read this, that Joseph was standing in Joseph's way of God's dream coming to pass in his life and something critical had to happen. First of all, we said he had to become dependent upon God. He had to become dependent upon God. He had to become a person of prayer. Let's read this story, Genesis 40. So sold into slavery by his brothers. You think you got a dysfunctional family? Okay, compare that to his situation. All right, just saying, it's pretty bad. And so he's wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife. She's after him all the time. Remember, we talked about that last week and what she'd said to him. Now he's in prison and he's been put in charge. Don't let the cupbearer and baker title fool you. Those are really big titles. These are key officials of the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, very key officials. And he's been put in charge of them down in prison. So here we go. Let's read it. Genesis 40. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer, And the baker of the king of Egypt were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream have a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them, this is so interesting, when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in the master's house, why do you look so sad today? We both have had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. Remember how good Joseph has been with the interpretation of dreams? Dreams is a very touchy subject for him. We both had dreams, but there's no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Dependence. Do not interpretations belong to God tell me your dreams where is this guy coming from this guy had been so self absorbed who is this guy when did he change he doesn't care about anybody he doesn't care about anybody else you think about the transformation that this guy has made think about this everybody in the in the beginning genesis 37 we're first introduced to him we're told that he has a dream and as the story begins about joseph The scripture is so clear with us that his brothers hate him. doesn't say it once, doesn't say it twice. It says it over and over. They hated him, they hated him, they hated him. They couldn't even say one kind word about him. They couldn't stand him. And you know what? Joseph doesn't even realize it. He doesn't even know. He's oblivious to their hatred of him. He has no idea. So when he gets this dream about them bowing down to him, he goes out so self-absorbed, doesn't know it. The whole world knows it. He's like, hey, check this out. You are going to bow down to me. Man, is this guy, this guy has a problem. But my point is he's completely oblivious to something everybody else sees, but he doesn't see it. When I read this and I began to think about it, it reminded me of a wedding that I did many years ago. And at this wedding, the bride's, the bride's sister was the maid of honor. And at, it was clear in my interactions leading up to the wedding day that the sister, the maid of honor, was the favored child. Like badly, very, very badly. And so we do the wedding. Wedding's over. We're in the reception. And what does the the maid of honor do at the reception? She does what? Yes, somebody said it. Yes, that's what happens. And so she stands up. I'm like 10 feet from her, and I can't believe she gets ready to do what she does. She says, she says, everybody, it must have been so hard for my sister, the bride, to live with me because I'm such a talented person and I'm, I am, I'm so smart. And then she says this line, she says this line. She goes like this, I'll never get how she does it. She says, just look at me and how pretty I am. <laughs> I thought she was joking, she wasn't joking. She's dead serious. I looked over at the bride, I looked at the bride everybody and this, just this pain. She bowed her head. She just put her head down in this deep pain. Everybody, everybody, that's Joseph. See, see, Joseph, Joseph's brother, were so hurt because of their father's favoritism, but Joseph is clueless. He doesn't see their pain because he's all about... Jo- he doesn't recognize it, so he tells them the dream. That's why he does it. He's so self-absorbed. Now, how do we get here? He doesn't like the Egyptians. The Egyptians have enslaved him. There's tension between the Jewish people and the Egyptians. There's animosity, and now here he is serving them. They've imprisoned him. There's all the reason in the world that he should care less about them. How did he notice that they looked a little bit sad? How did that happen? How this... Where did the... That's what we're after today. Where did this transformation come in place? Joseph was standing in Joseph's own way. Some things here in this story are very subtle and some things aren't. Here's one subtle thing. Here's a first fill in the blank for you. It's very subtle here. But Joseph had become a person of prayer. We talked about this. Person of prayer. That's dependence. When we depend upon God, somebody who prays does not look at prayer as a duty. They look at it as delight because they become dependent upon God. Look... Genesis 39, 21, this is what we're told. The Lord was with him, with Joseph. We're going to get to that in a minute. It's very important. He showed him kindness, kindness. This is something that I've never seen before, but as I began to study the Hebrew behind this, that word kindness is always associated with God answering prayer because somebody has become a person of prayer. God, his kindness, his loyalty to answer a prayer. And so we see that Joseph has become a person dependent upon God right here at home plate to pray. Second thing that we see here is Joseph has become a person with a servant's heart, which is what we really want to focus on today. This is where the release begins. So everything about Joseph being released to all that God had in store for him for the dreams begins When Joseph takes on a servant's heart because God has a servant's heart. It says it twice. Genesis 39, 4. Genesis 40. Again, verse 4 of all things. It says, so Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Joseph became a servant. Joseph never served anybody. Joseph Joseph only knows the world serving who? Joseph. Genesis 40, verse 4. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them. I'd like you to write this down here. Align yourself with God. We need to align our... Just like you have to take your car into the shop every now and then because it needs alignment, right? If you don't take your car into the shop, you hit all the potholes and bumps and all these other things that we hit on the highways and out on the streets, whatever, and the car goes what? It goes out of alignment, and as you're driving down the road... Right? And so we have to align ourselves with God because our car is always going out of alignment, and our lives are always going out of alignment. Align ourselves with God. How do you align yourself with God? How exactly does that take place well we're going to try try to describe it this way we're going to turn all the lights out so if you need to move around uh for one second uh just hold on this will only take about 30 seconds but we're going to get dark here for 30 seconds here we go let's try it okay there can you see that do i need to move this can you see there's a light shining there i can't see oh good you can beautiful then i don't have to move that So here's my thought. Maybe you think the same way. I I want God to shine down on me like he did on Joseph. I read this story all my life. I'm like, oh my gosh, God, when are are your plans and your dreams and everything that I feel like you've put in my heart when they come to pass? Oh God, come over here and shine on me. May your presence be with me as we are reminded so often in the story of Joseph, God was with him, God was with him, God was with him, God was with him, right? God was with him when he was sold as a slave. God was with him in Potiphar's house. God is with him when he is in the prison. God's with him. And though he keeps having all this stuff come against him, he always rises to the top. And it's clear because God is with him. And so my thought is, okay, come on, let's go. Please be with me. Anybody else have the same thought? Move the light this way, Right? And we sit there and we keep begging God, come on, I want you with me. And it's not moving. It's like stuck over there on the pitcher's mound. There's only one thing to do, isn't there? If the light isn't moving, what are my options to getting in the light? Right, I got to move to the light. Who has to align themselves? Who has to change? Joseph was standing in Joseph's way and Joseph realized through all the problems that he went through, that he had to move into the light. God's not moving. Oh, God, please shine your light on me. No, Joseph, cut it out. That's not working. God, help me to line myself up with you. Help me to get into your light that your presence and your favor might shine down upon me. Though that Whatever the world throws at Joseph, he keeps rising to the top because God's presence, and we're told that he had success in anything he did, even when the world stood against him, that he had success. Why? Because God's favor, his presence, over and over and over again in this story is shining upon him. So we have to, it's not, God's not moving. We have to move to God. How do we move to God? Okay, let's take the lights back up. And let's talk about specifically how we begin very practically to align ourselves with God. This is very important. I believe that through the story of Joseph, such an incredible, such a radical story, I believe through this, so practical can have a radical transformation in all of our lives if we view it through the lens of this story and how God moves in Joseph's heart. Okay, we are told here right, in the Scriptures, Colossians chapter 3, that we should serve God, right? That we shouldn't serve people, that we should serve God. In other words, that when we do acts of service in this world, that instead of looking at people, okay, well, I'm serving you because you need help, or I'm serving you because I have extra time in my life, or I'm serving you because the church has made me feel so guilty, you know, that I'm serving you. And guilt's a great thing. Churches use it very well. You know, so... <laughs> that's why i'm serving or i want to be a good person or i have extra time or i'm going to help you wrong the scripture says we should not serve people it says instead that we should serve god we should serve it so as we're serving people We're actually really working for the Lord, not for people, it says. Colossians 3.23. If we are serving people and we're stuck, well, I'm doing this because, you know, God wants me to do this for you and blah, blah, blah. Eventually, people are going to disappoint you. People are going to make you want to turn away from serving. If that's where your eyes are fixed. I know this by experience. (laughs) People can frustrate us at times. Oh, man, I've had it. I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. But if our focus is, you know what, I'm serving God. People are secondary. God is number one. I am served. That's where my eyes are fixed. I am doing this with all my heart as unto the Lord. We don't want you to sign up for a team today because you feel guilty. No way. We don't want you to do that. We don't want you to sign up today because you have extra time in your life and what else are you going to do with your time? right? We don't want you to do that. We want you to sign up today because you want to align yourself with God and God by his very nature is a servant. And when we fall ourselves into alignment with God, powerful things happen. If we sign up and we say, you know what? I'm doing it because they're putting all the pressure on, all the power is going to be taken out of it. But if you sign up because you want to align yourself with God and you're serving with all your heart to God, there's a powerful dynamic that happens in your life by the Spirit of God. Now, I wanna show you a video about uh, somebody that we have and uh, probably of you know him because you see him out in the parking lot all the time, let's roll the videotape and then we'll talk about it. So, let's check it out. When you serve, you actually get to work with people, find out you know, what they do, what they like, what they don't like, how their week was and how you can help them beyond you know, uh, whatever's going on on Sunday. It allows me to connect with people. The service is, is just kind of a, an avenue or a conduit, if you will, that allows you to uh, meet new people, get to know people. Because if you didn't serve, it's kind of just, a, you know, you speak and, you know, the pleasantries of the day and then you're gone. To help facilitate in an environment uh, where others can feel comfortable experience God. I'm here to do whatever it takes to, to make sure that happens. Okay, let's welcome him out to the stage. Here he is in the flesh. <clears throat> yes. This is my brother Hosea. I've known Hosea for a number of years. Did you see what he said right there towards the end of it? I am serving that other people might experience God. Number one reason that people come to church is to experience God. And Hosea wants to facilitate that process. But I need to point this out to you. Hosea, first and foremost, is serving God. He has a servant's heart. I've noticed something about people who have a servant's heart, right? There's like a special touch on their life. Do you know what I'm speaking of? Have you been around somebody who's truly a servant? They're not serving because, uh, you know, they want to help people out. They're not serving because uh, that's what they should do. or They feel guilty. No, 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 no. Have you ever been around somebody who has a truly servant's heart? If you haven't, then you need to get close to this guy. And let me tell you what happens I've noticed about people like Hosea who have a true servant's heart. There's like this glow, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like this energy. Like it just... You know what I'm saying? You just, you wanna, you wanna, be, you wanna be around. I, I told the uh, staff a couple weeks ago, Jose came into a staff meeting. Jose is helping us out on an interim basis as our missions pastor. The whole staff erupted in applause. Why? Because everybody wants to be around this guy right here because he has a servant's heart. He's not just doing it, this is who he is. Is that right? Okay, all right, okay. He's awesome. And if we have that genuine servant's heart, because God's nature, God doesn't serve because he serves. God serves because that's his very nature. That's who he is. God is not something God does. It's who he is. Now, our parking team is awesome. Would everybody agree with our parking team? Parking team is... We say this all the time. The sermon starts in the parking lot. God's presence begins in our parking lot. And here is our leader. And that's why it works out there in such a phenomenal way. Our, our parking ministry is like a military operation. Do you, do you, do you know what I'm saying? So, uh, Hosea, army. Right? We got the army. We have the Navy represented. And we have? Air Force. Air Force. Okay. What's missing? Coast Guard. Okay. The Marines and the Coast Guard, very poorly represented. If, if you are a Marine or in the Coast Guard... You should be ashamed of yourself. Anyway. <laughs> Can we have a huge round of applause for Hosea? A All right, he's also a very good sport. That's, uh, that's fantastic. Uh, Jesus said, Matthew chapter 25, what is he? He says, um, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you visited me. Right. When I needed to close, you closed me. And they said, whoa, 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 time out. Jesus, when were you all of these things? And he said, when you served other people because you were really serving me, right? You have done that for me. We serve God. We don't serve people. God is always first. If your eyes are on people, you're going to get discouraged. You're going to start getting prideful about what you do. Yourself is going to lift up. But if you are always eyes up serving God, if your eyes are down serving people, then your eyes aren't up. Is that practically true? Right. So we put our eyes up And we serve God. And there is where all the power and all the transformation lies. Here's the thing. Our expectation today is this. I've already said it once. Here you go. I'll say it again. Our expectation is every single person signs up today. Why? Why? Because we know this. This is we, if we don't exist for any other reason, boy, we definitely exist for this. We believe God has a call and has a plan and has a dream for every single person's life here. And we believe the word, the word transformation from scripture means to become the real you for me to become the real me. And we become the real you and we become the real me and we're transformed as we begin to align ourselves with God. Look at this John Ortberg quote I have for you he says this. This this is really a good way of putting it. He says, when Jesus came in the form of a servant, he was not disguising who God is. He was revealing who God is. There is a story in Greek mythology about Zeus and Hermes coming down to earth dressed up as poor beggars. Disguised as poor, because they wanted to see what all the earthlings were doing around here, and if they were worthy of the blessings of Zeus and Hermes. They're disguised. And so you might think, okay, well, Jesus came as a servant. He came disguised as a servant to see what all of us are doing, and then one day, whammo, he just ripped off his Clark Kent glasses in his suit and had the big J, not the S. He had the big J right there. But that's not what he did. That's not what the scripture says he did. He didn't come down disguised as a servant. It says, His very nature was a servant. He was revealing who God is. We don't serve as something to do. We serve because that's who God is. And when we look at God that way, we get ourselves into alignment with God. Soren Kierkegaard, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, I just really want this to constantly be in your hearts and in your minds. Kierkegaard said, now with God's help, I shall become myself. There is a real you. And the release of the real Joseph happens as he aligns himself with God and he begins to serve. That's where it all takes place in his life. Joseph steps into God's presence and in God's favor because he is serving God by serving others. He steps into the light in the picture's mound. The light doesn't come to him. Who God is, is a servant. Now, we're going to show you a picture. Let's see if you recognize. Can anybody tell me who that person is? Somebody said it, but they didn't say it with conviction. Over here. C.S. Lewis, fantastic. That's C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis had some wonderful things to say about us coming into alignment with God and where true meaning, purpose, and happiness come from. And basically all that's to say is we're living out who God has created us to be. Let's look what uh, C.S. Lewis says. Here it is. God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn. God cannot give us happiness And peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. So we stand over here, right? And we say, come, bring the light over here. It doesn't work. We've got to go where God is to be with God as Joseph was. Serving God because God serves. Jesus is building the church and so we work alongside of it. And when we do that with our eyes fixed on God, we are stepping into the light of his presence. That's how practically it happens. What's the magic sauce, John? How does Joseph go from the prison to the palace? I'm figuring some of you have read the story because you got intrigued by it and you've realized he becomes the prime minister. How does that happen? How did he become prime minister of Egypt? He does that because he aligns himself with God and God is by nature a servant. And so we see that Joseph begins to serve. Uh, Lewis continues on. He says this. "'We were made not primarily that we may love God.'" Check this out. This is very interesting. "'But that God may love us.'" Revelation chapter 4, "'We were created for His pleasure.'" "'But made that God may love us, that we may become objects in which the divine love may rest well pleased.'" "'When we are such as He can love without impediment, we shall in fact be happy.'" God changes us. He adjusts our alignment. He moves us through circumstances that we talked about last week. Problems, suffering, pain. We see that in Joseph's life. There was no other way he was going to move. There's no other way he's going to become aligned. Except for the fact that God brought him around and shaped his character. And now he is, God has moved. And Joseph has allowed himself to be moved into God's presence. Joseph was standing in Joseph's own way. Last fill in the blank. Here's the thing. This is going to be really important. It's going to be a little frustrating because it frustrates me, but it's the truth. And we clearly see it in Joseph's life. We see it all over the Bible. Aligning ourselves with God is not easy or convenient. Aligning ourselves with God is not easy or convenient. So I could say to you this morning, I was very tempted to say to you this morning, and I kind of felt like the story wouldn't allow me to say this to you this morning. Say, hey, you know sign up it's going to be easy you just serve one time a month how bad could it be a couple minutes show up a few minutes early stay a few minutes late Serve. it's so easy it's so convenient and then i realized there's no power in that there's no power because alignment is difficult like you have to take your car to the shop and you have to pay somebody a bunch of money they have to have all this equipment they got alignment it's it's tough and when you want to experience the power of god coming in alignment here it's not easy, and it's very much not convenient. It wasn't convenient, believe me. It was not convenient for Joseph to be sold into slavery. Could everybody agree with that? Is that? That's inconvenient. It was not convenient or easy for Potiphar's wife to falsely accuse him, right? Can we agree on that? Does anybody say, amen, that's a problem, right? And now he's in prison, and he's got to serve the very people who wrongly put him there. That's very inconvenient and difficult, we do this because we want to align ourselves with god and along the way things can become difficult don't look for the easy way out it wasn't easy it wasn't convenient for joseph to do this look we serve god we don't serve people and the key to joseph's release was that he was serving just think about this for a moment everybody how did he go how did he go from prison to palace How did he go from prison to prime minister? If he wasn't a servant, if he didn't have a servant's heart and he did not pay attention to the fact that these two guys in the cell that he was waiting on looked a little sad one day. If he was never their servant and never paying attention because he didn't have a servant's heart and he treated them just like he treated his brother, right, he would have never known. He never would have said anything. He never would have said, hey, what happened? Can you tell me about it? He would have never done that. If he didn't have a servant's heart, he would have never been put in the positions that he was in. And if he wasn't in the positions that he was put in, what would have happened? He would have never gone to prison to palace. The key to everything in this story after he becomes dependent upon God, is the fact that he had a servant's heart. If he didn't have a servant's heart, he would have never. How about you? Maybe the key in your life, because God has a dream for you, God has a plan, maybe the key is allowing God to let you be adjusted, to be aligned to moving into the presence of God by having a true servant's heart. Maybe the key is you saying, hey, God, (laughs) okay, I've been asking you to change all kinds of stuff in my life. I've been asking you about my finances or my health or my relationships or my job and spouse or whatever, you know, uh, all these things, how everybody else needs to change and how circumstance. What if, what if possibly, maybe the key to your entire life is God actually changing you? I mean, it was in Joseph's life. I mean, what if the key is you say, Oh, God, would you change me? Would you change my heart? So that the world doesn't revolve around me like it does Joseph, because that's very natural, but instead let it revolve around you. May my life revolve around you. The key to everything, the key to everything was him becoming a servant. Now... Uh, I want to show you some pictures of some stuff that we have downstairs, okay? And then I want to qualify this if I can. So what we have, if, if you or when you walk out of here today, here's what you can, you already saw the green, you saw the green grass? You, did, any, did, you, did everybody look down? Yes. In the, okay, so there's green grass if you didn't look down. I could see myself doing that, but uh, not looking down and noticing. There's green grass, and it leads you straight down a hallway where there are all these teams that are on that list in the description there, and we've got all this fun stuff. We've got, like, uh, bubble gum, Big League Chew, and we've got candies and all kinds of fun stuff for you to sign up for a team. And and if you sign up for a team, we give you a ticket, and then you go downstairs, and with that ticket, they will let you have those. (laughs) They're, They're baseball donuts, and those... Hot dogs, they'll do that if you have the ticket, and you have the ticket because you've just signed up for a team. And you might say, hey, John, that's, that's pretty low, buddy. <laughs> I mean, why are, you tr- why, why are you trying to bribe us? And I just want to readjust your frustration for a second. We're actually not bribing you. We actually want to celebrate because we fully believe this. This is clear from Scripture. Start to finish, everybody. Start to finish. This isn't like a crazy thing I'm saying. Start to finish in Scripture. That when we begin to serve God, when we begin to come in line with God, God has a servant's heart, and we begin to serve God where he wants us. And we know that Jesus Christ is building the church because he tells us, I will build my church. And when we begin to do that, we fall into a line with God. And then the real us, Joseph, the real me can begin to emerge. And we want to celebrate that happening. So we're actually not bribing you, although I can understand why you might feel that way. What we want to actually do is celebrate you. And I'm going to meet you down there and thank you and applaud you for allowing the real you to emerge. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing, even though, well, whatever. Let me tell you one last story, okay? Uh, you know, this great book was written a number of years ago. Actually, this it, it pertains to events that happened in the 1950s. It's called The Three Christs, The Three Christs. And it's a story that this... Um, doctor puts together. He's studying three patients in a mental health hospital who all had um, messianic delusions. In other words, they all thought they were God, and they all thought the whole world revolved around them, like Joseph. It's natural. All of us feel that way. These guys were just to the extreme. And this doctor had an idea. He says, you know what? Instead of keeping them separated, let's bring them all together, you know? (laughs) and and let's let them hang out and interact and talk and eat together and sleep in the same room together and let's just let's just see what happens and he said it was pretty cool some stories that arose from that like one day they're in like a group session got the three of them and the doctor is leading them and the one guy says i am jesus christ and i've been sent here on a mission from god and the doctor says Well, okay, that's interesting. How do you know this? Who told you this? And the guy says, God did. And another one of the patients says, I never told you any such thing. (laughs) Is that awesome or what? And you know what the doctor concluded? You know what the doctor concluded? That these guys, because the world revolved around them, that because the world revolved around them, it was cutting them off from life. You know what happens when we allow God to adjust us? So the world no longer revolves around us, but it revolves around God. Life. Transformation. The real you emerges. I want to encourage you today. Allow the real you to emerge, to become all that God wants you to be. This story is so clear. God has a plan. He's got a dream for all of our lives. All right, I'm going to actually close it down uh, with this story, okay? I had this idea and I told the staff about it, which was a mistake. <laughs> I had this idea for weeks, you know, everything that I just spoke about this morning. And then I thought, you know, what if we did something fun at the end? And I just said to everybody, hey, look, if we sign X, like if, if it's 200 people between the two services signs up for a volunteer team, what if I tell everybody, I'll, I'll preach next week in a Dallas Cowboys jersey? And anyway, it is wrong but I was willing to do that all for the cause of Jesus Christ okay, but so uh, I haven't, uh, you know I haven't really been following the Redskins because I've been so depressed over the past few years I finally, I finally gave up this year and then last week last week they just, they drew me in okay, and the second half they drew me in, I'm so stupid I'm down there, and my heart, I put my heart out there. My heart was out there, and then they just <laughs> stomped me. It was so terrible. So I thought, you know, I can do this. And then one, one, one staff member had this idea, had this idea. I will not mention the person's name. He might not be with us much longer because of what, <laughs> he said, you know what, this, the, 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 the message is all about serving. It's not about serving somebody else in God's name, you know. So, instead of wearing the jersey, I mean, that's, I mean, you can do that, no big deal, but what if you did this? What if you served your wife by acting like you loved that dog that she loved so much? <laughs> now, what if you talked to the dog like you liked the dog and you held the dog like you wanted to hold the dog and you were kind and you, all those things? You, what, if you, what if you did that? See you don't understand. You don't understand. Some of you like dogs. I don't. Okay. I I don't. I mean, they, they, this dog barks all the time. My wife says the dog never barks. The dog barks all the time, like nonstop barking, frustrating, barking at odd hours. I got to take care of the dog. Dog is, dog is dirty. The dog gets dirty. The dog has to be cleaned up, right? And it's just, the dog is always sick. Always sick. My wife says, the dog's never sick. The dog is always sick. You know why the dog is always sick? The dog eats um, mulch. Dirt, Uh, grass. The dog came home one day, had a whole fish, had a whole fish hanging out of her mouth. Old, nasty. We don't like, we don't live by the wharf. Okay? Where's the dog? I don't know where the dog got. Whole fish? Of course the dog is sick. One day the dog got sick. Just take the dog out. See this, I didn't sign up for taking the dog. I told her, you take care of the dog, I'll allow the dog to be in the house. Oh no, take the dog out. There was no choice. So I picked the dog up, back end of the dog this way, right? I picked the dog, and the moment I picked the dog up, (laughs) all over everything. That freaks me out, everybody. I am, I am an insane OCD person. That really freaks me out. So the staff member says, what if you actually loved on the dog, walked the dog? What if? And then the staff really gets and says, what if you kissed the dog? <laughs> and, and what if you take pictures and video of it and we post it on Facebook and we show pictures next week? So, uh, I'm not happy about this. It's inconvenient. It's not easy. It's not easy. but. For the sake of my wife and the cause of Jesus Christ. This is what I'm going to do. If you have kids in Graceland, it's uh, still relatively early. The kids are good. Graceland's going to watch them. We're going to end in just a second, and we encourage you to go down the hall prayerfully and consider where God wants to use you. We've got all kinds of wonderful gifts, and if you get a a slip, a ticket, there's hot dogs. And there's donuts down there with no calories in it. And it's just, it's, it's absolute. And we have some really special music that we are going to dismiss to. So I want to ask, I'm not going to pray. We're just, we're just going to go. And so Ben, play the music and uh, let's charge on out. Thanks for being here. God bless you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.